0: Are you ready for what that real reality that true reality about you is that tower view you have been chosen by god from the beginning of time you have been predestined for future glory in heaven do you understand what that means it means that there was never a time that god did not see you in heaven with him God chose you to be part of his family before you were born. Do you see how big picture that truth is? That the fact that you are God's child transcends time itself. Don't let that fact pass you by. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. Alright everyone, today we get to begin a brand new sermon series called Built Together. It's an eight-week series on the book of Ephesians. Starting with chapter one here, we're going to begin just as the Apostle Paul does, with praise. We'll read this morning from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is God's word. Now there are times when it's good to mince words. When you want to be as direct and simple and clear as possible like in a moment of intensity and efficiency, when a clarity and a direct communication are the things that you need the most, or in a moment of care, when you just want to communicate the things that are inside you, when only three words can do that communication, I love you. Or in a moment when you just don't have the right words to describe what's going on with you and all you can say is, I'm okay. Or on the other side, I need help. There are times when it's necessary and good to mince our words. But then there are also times when we just can't help but wax eloquent. And you know what that feels like, right? When you come home after landing your dream job and you just can't stop yourself from describing every single little detail of that job to anyone who will listen. Or when you come home with that brand new puppy or kitten and suddenly every conversation just works its way around to talking about how cute they are and how good they are. There are those times when you just can't help but get a little bit long-winded. When you look at this text for the first time, what's your first impression? Is Paul waxing eloquent or is he mincing his words? I think it might be pretty obvious right now that it's obvious that Paul is waxing eloquent in our text for today. I mean, when you look at this text, your first reaction might be that your eyes cross and a lot of it goes over your head. It's a really complicated bit of text here. There are 202 Greek words in our text for today. And English, it chops it up a little bit into sentences, but in Greek, this is all one long, run-on sentence. Now, I've been learning from a couple people in our church who are news producers about just how much content you can fit into 25 words of text. And Paul has 202 words. How much content do you think he's fitting into that amount of text? He's waxing eloquent, right? He's waxing eloquent in praise. He can't stop praising God. He literally takes up an entire chapter before he takes a moment to take a breath. He's waxing eloquent at the praise and the reality that he sees in Jesus. Paul has really taken us somewhere today. He's taking us outside of the reality that we can perceive with our senses, and he's taking us into God's reality. The reality that we are part of through his Son, Jesus Christ. This is a reality of praise. You know, I want to start us thinking thinking today about our reality and which reality that we're living in. And so I'll just ask this question to start us off here. What is the reality of your life right now? You know, really take a moment to think it through, maybe if you have the time here today. What's your daily life like? Your day-to-day activities, your, your work life, your family life, your social life. What is that reality like? Is it a reality of praise? No, at the risk of sounding a little bit pessimistic here, I think for a lot of us, our first impulse is that our reasons for praise might be kind of few. You know, we think about what's the reality of our life. Our first impulse might be to say, well, life is hard. And COVID does seem to just keep dragging on even though we did get a nice encouragement this week and we're able to take our masks off a little bit more. And in terms of our social life, you know, we haven't seen our friends in a year and a half. And so it's just going to take some time to resurrect our our social life. And in terms of my life as a Christian, you know, Portland just kind of makes it hard to live that way. Our first reaction of our reality might be that our reality is a little bit pessimistic. We might have to dig a little bit to find something to praise. We might be able to find our silver linings. We might be able to do our our thankfulness and mindfulness exercises to find the things that we're thankful for in our lives. But I really think that if if we were to do a complete spiritual inventory on our lives, if we were to make an exhaustive list of the things that we are counting as blessings and curses in our lives, I really do think that for most of us, the list of curses would be longer than the list of blessings. And I'm not telling you this, I'm not preaching at you on this in order to shame you about that. I'm preaching about this this, this morning because I want to shine a light on the reality of living in this world. If, only, if the only reality that we have is the one that is broken by sin, if the only reality that we have is a reality that is tainted and haunted by brokenness, then what can there be in the world that is truly praiseworthy? I think that might be a reason why our eyes might be crossing and and we might be letting a lot of what Paul says blow past us. Paul is really modeling perfect praise for us. Praise it punctuates all of what he says in our text for this morning. It's at the beginning and at the middle and the end and sprinkled in in between is Paul's praise. And how can Paul muster up all that praise inside himself? It's not because his circumstances are so much better than ours. It's not because he has so many more reasons to praise than we do. It's because he's seeing a completely other reality. You see, the difference between Paul's praise and our praise is not a difference of attitude. And again, I'm not preaching today in order to get you to change your outlook on life. I'm preaching today to encourage you to see a completely new perspective, a completely new reality. One that is worth praising. Paul shows us that reality as he does his own exhaustive spiritual inventory in these verses. Throughout the whole text, he's listing off reasons why God is worthy of praise. He says that God chose us. That God predestined us, loves us, redeemed us, lavished his grace on us, made himself known to us, included us, worked faith in us, sealed us, gave us a down payment on heaven. Can you see why Paul praises God for 202 words until his lungs run out of air and his pen runs out of ink? Paul is able to wax so eloquent in his praise here because he's seeing a completely different reality. One that's different than the one that we can see with our eyes. It's God's reality. It's the reality where God is in this room this morning caring for you. It's the reality where you are washed clean of your sins in the blood of Jesus. It's the reality where angels are watching over you every step of your life. This is God's reality. It's the reality that we know and that we are part of through faith even though we can't see it. Paul is living there and he's praising there. And it is the challenge of the Christian life to do the same. And so I'll ask you this question, which reality is more real for you right now? And if that's not a completely fair question, because both realities are real, then which reality is more permanent? Which reality is more certain? Which reality is more true? These are, of course, important questions for us to ask and answer because these realities are are often in conflict with each other. I want to help and, and point out some of the ways that these two realities might be in conflict for you. There's always the two sides, right? On the one side is the fact that in your life, especially here in Portland, who you are as a Christian is going to be at odds with the reality of the rest of the world. People are going to shame you for who you are and what you believe. But on the other side of that true reality is the reality that who you are in Christ is so valued and loved that God himself died for you. Both things are true. Both things are real. Be honest with yourself this morning. Which reality are you clinging to most fiercely in your heart? And again, on the one side, there is the fact that sin is going to wreak havoc on you. You are going to fall into sin and you're going to hurt others because of it. And others are going to fall into sin and they're going to hurt you because of it. And yet on the other side of that reality is, that, is the fact that you have been redeemed through the death and resurrection of Jesus and your sins are forgiven. Be honest with yourself, which reality are you clinging to most fiercely in your heart? And one more time, in this culture, on the one hand, there is always going to be people who are telling you that you must do something or be something in order to be good. But then on the other side of the reality is the fact that something has already been done for you. And that you are already considered holy before God. Be honest with yourself this morning. Which reality are you clinging to most fiercely in your heart? No, I'm telling you about these two realities. Are you able to see the truth this morning? That both are real. And further, are you able to see the truth this morning that that if you are not living a life in the perspective of praise, that that is not God's fault? I spent a lot of time on a plane last weekend. I think it was almost 15 hours of traveling each way. I got to sit by the window during two of my flights, which I always appreciate. You can sometimes get some really great views, but a lot of the time looking through a plane window at the same time is frustrating. Because you never get the full view. You have the bird's eye view of of some things around, but you're still not getting the full picture. You can't see the other side of the plane. I think sometimes for us we get stuck looking at our lives from the perspective of the airplane window. We're not looking at the whole reality of what is true. Paul today is giving us the gift of that full view of God's reality. It's as if we're standing at the top of the space needle in Seattle and we can see everything on a a clear day from every angle for miles around. So are you ready for this? Are you ready for what that real reality, that true reality about you is, that tower view? You have been chosen by God from the beginning of time. You have been predestined for future glory in heaven. Do you understand what that means? It means that there was never a time that God did not see you in heaven with him. God chose you to be part of his family before you were born. Do you see how big picture that truth is? That the fact that you are God's child transcends time itself. Don't let that fact pass you by. You've also been redeemed from sin. And this means that you are rescued and brought out of the reality of the world. There was a time in all of our lives before our baptisms, before the Holy Spirit worked faith in us that we had no other reality than the reality of a praise-less world of only sin. But because of what Jesus did, because of what was determined for you, you were rescued from that grim reality and you were granted access into God's reality. And you have been gifted all of this through faith in the Holy Spirit. And all of this, Paul says, all of this is just a down payment. Your faith is a down payment on heaven. Think of it like this, that that when you're in heaven, you won't have faith anymore. You won't need it. You won't need your faith. You won't need the down payment anymore because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. But when you're in heaven seeing the full gift and not just the down payment, faith will be irrelevant because the only reality that you will have is God's reality. What Paul is doing in this text as he waxes eloquent for two hundred and two words in a stretch of text that still confounds biblical scholars the world over is he's giving us the ability to live with a perspective of praise. And what's it like to live in this perspective on earthly life? With a perspective of praise, no voice in your life can have any power over you. Because when we have eternity in view the problems of the everyday, shrink away. With a perspective of praise, we can always look at life from the tower view. Knowing the full truth about ourselves and about our future with Jesus. With a perspective of praise, nothing on earth can bother us or touch us. Because Jesus has chosen us. And this is just the beginning. In fact, this little stretch of text is nothing more than Paul's exclamation point at the beginning of this Holy Spirit inspired book called Ephesians that we are going to study together through the next eight weeks. Paul's going to expand on this reality as he moves forward. In the next chapter, he'll imagine a world apart from Christ and without merit, and he'll push us into a world where Christ alone saves. And from there, Paul's really going to start to move into God, how God's work in our life changes everything. And through all of it, we are never going to leave behind this perspective of praise. It's always there just beneath the surface for Paul, and for us too. We can't help but burst out in this doxology as the book moves along because we we truly do have every spiritual blessing.